please be advised that all video and audio recordings were completed before the COVID-19 pandemic. Black Female Project. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Black Female Project podcast. This is Che Abram. I want you to take an opportunity this episode to sit and sip while Dr. Chris Wachira tells us about the many ways she embodies her family spirit of being a fighter. A fighter as she transitioned from being a refugee to become a nurse, winemaker, and an executive director of an international healthcare organization based in Kenya. So welcome, Dr. Washira. Thank you. Asani Sana for being here. That's the only Swahili I know. Oh, that's great. <laughs> well, no, no, you know what Asani? Karibu Sana. Karibu Sana. You're very welcome. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but, you but you know what the other, other, other phrase I learned when I went to Kenya? Mm-hmm. Simba Hatari. Oh. <laughs> I mean, danger that's lion. Important. That's important. Yeah, I mean, I'm on the lion side. Trust me, I really am down with yeah. it. Dr. Washira, um, DNP. DNP, Doctor in Nursing Practice. RN. Registered Nurse. MPA. Muslim Public Administration. NE-BC. Um, nurse Executive Board Certified. So you've been going to school a lot. I've been trying. I've been trying to learn. Where did you you study? (laughs) I studied at actually College of Alameda. Let me start all the way in the beginning. I love community colleges and I love supporting community colleges. Because if it wasn't for them, there's no way I would have been able to afford studying off at a four-year college. Because I was an immigrant from Kenya. And how did you you become an immigrant? Um, It's a long story. Embrace us with your presence. (laughs) It's a long story. I was actually a refugee. I came to this country as a refugee. From Kenya? From Kenya. Yes, ma'am. Was it what? In the 90s. Okay. We were the, just changing our political Hutus. system. No, the Hutus and Tutsis are in Rwanda, which is south um, south of Kenya. Okay. Yeah. But in Kenya, what we were doing at that time, that period of in the 90s, we'd had the same president in office for over 20 years. And his name? Daniel Arap Moy. That's right. President Moy. That's right. Yes, he was. So we had had the same president in office for quite a period of time and folks were tired. So folks were trying to change who was sitting. I was the sitting president. We'd had elections after elections, but somehow the same person won every year, every time. So folks had had enough and there were a lot of battles on the streets. And my family has been in sort of the revolution fight for a while. Starting off with my grandmother way back when she was, um, she was in the Mau Mau. She was like, yeah, fighting, um, helping fight for Kenya's independence. So my mom was involved. From Britain. Yeah, <laughs> from, yeah <laughs> from the colonials, uh, from the colonialists, the British. And so my mom was involved in the struggle in the 90s. And so we, um, we were targeted. My family was targeted. By the government? Yes. And so we had to leave the country. And we actually left at night with just the clothes on our backs and a backpack. Yeah. Where did you go? I landed in Boston. I had $500. So w- were you admitted? Were you- yes. Yes. So I landed in Boston and then I was um, transferred to California. And I had um, family that I stayed with in California, in Alameda. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Nice place to land. Nice eh? place to land. It wasn't too bad. There, were, there weren't too many people like me in Alameda back like then. You. In the 90s. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was, it was, very, it was very white. 
Alameda was very oh, white in like the nineties. Yeah. I thought you meant African. Yeah. Well, Africans and where um, where I lived, the community where I lived, there were quite a couple of immigrants in that little um, from Africa or just in, different countries from different countries. Different countries. So you shared East an experience. Africa. So we, we, yeah, we shared quite an experience. So yeah, so I landed there and I got um, into College of Alameda, which is literally across the street from the development that I lived in. And That's good. <laughs> yeah, and so and it was um, classes was so inexpensive, which was so exciting. It was eleven dollars a unit. I could not believe it. And That's they all? actually and they gave you they gave you a stipend to go to school. Wow. Who subsidizes this? Um, the Alameda Unified School District. Hmm. Yeah. At least back then they did. Yeah. I don't know if they still do. Oh, I don't know. But they subsidized it. So we, we got, I mean, the, it was $11 in a unit and they paid for those $11. So we could, wow. we was literally able to go to college for free. And I couldn't believe it. And so I started, I, I studied. I bet you did. <laughs> yeah. So what did you study? At so the, I had... I graduated with an associate's degree in science and an AA. I had two degrees when I graduated College of Alameda, and I transferred to San Francisco State to, into their nursing program. Um, was there for three years, and I was recruited by Stanford Neuroscience Department. Actually, before I graduated college, before I graduated wow, the nursing that's a program, it, it was it was. It was quite a fit. So yeah, I was, I was recruited by Stanford and I went into the residency program, wound up working on the neurosurgical unit, and I've been in neurosciences ever since. And that was back in 2006. Yeah. So being there but you're not a, a neuroscientist. No, I'm not a so neuroscientist. What, so what I do is yeah. I work with, I work um, in neuroscience clinical outcomes, and I help um, neurosurgeons, um, neurologists, um, just folks in the neuroscience disciplines um, figure out how to improve the quality of care they deliver. So we use data, we use data and analytics. Yeah, we compare doctors to doctors, outcomes to outcomes, mortality to mortality, infections, readmissions, those kind of metrics. And we use our data and we analyze that data and we help physicians improve the practice. And we also help the organization as a whole um, improve its standing and benchmarking against other organizations yeah. in the country yeah that is, that is so fascinating it's, it's really interesting it's a lot of fun i enjoy it so you I enjoy like it quite a bit. i love numbers but more importantly i love to have an impact on uh on patient care but on sort of a or, or on a larger scale tell me on some, a, some on a impacts yeah on a, on, macro, a macro. on a macro scale so at stanford for example we have um this program is called eras it's enhanced recovery after surgery there was eras in a lot of different disciplines like um abdominal surgeries, knee surgeries, but there was not eras in, in neurosciences, specifically in spine. And so we developed that care pathway at Stanford and we implemented it. And what that does is it helps patients recover faster within the, within the hospital system. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So in a sense, we help them optimize their healing process and be able to step back into their lives a little bit faster than they would have otherwise. Mm -hmm. So we, for example, so we start them walking a little, um, almost within 24 hours post-surgery. 
depending on what type of surgery they had. So mm-hmm. there's some surgeries you can't get out of bed uh, within 24 hours. Then those, those, those are not in that study. Like what kind um, of surgery? Um, so if you've had like a fusion surgery where you wow. need orthotics, you need yeah, some yeah, sort yeah. of bracing to help you get out of bed and mobilize, we don't have those um, patients get up within 24 hours. But some patients who've had minor surgeries like... Um, a cervical discectomy and just little micro discectomies where they sort of um, shave off some um, parts of your spinal systems that may be irritating your nerves. Sorry, I'm getting too technical. But anyway, so some of those surgeries that, are, that do not require a lot of um, assistive devices and assistive care to get you out of bed, we, we get those patients up and walking within 24 hours. We eliminate um, use of um, Foley catheters, which a lot of patients have in the OR. Mm. Um, early enough to help you get up again to get to the bathroom so you can get out of you know get out of bed get out of the hospital a little early and get back to your life Use it you know loose. yeah yeah we also um we're also very cognizant of the narcotic pain medication mm-hmm. that we use um, so we start patients off on a Tylenol drip in the OR, which reduces, it's been, studies have indicated, reduces the amount of narcotics you have post-operatively. I, I like to be clear that we're not pushing people out of the system before they're ready to, right. to leave. We, we help them get better faster so they're able to leave. They get earlier. better care. Yeah. And it's yeah. targeted and it's scientific. It's, it's absolutely, yeah. Based on analytics. It, evidence-based. It's all evidence-based. Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. that. So we're trying. We're trying. Yeah. So, as a black female and as as a black female who did not grow up in the United States, mm-hmm. well, how how do you, you come here? How do you see us? And I mean, it must be different, you know. It's it's very I, different. I love your observations. Let me t- let me tell you the, the most challenging or the most significant difference I can speak to was so I grew up. I was born and raised in Kenya. My grandmother was a fighter. My mother was a fighter. The women that I've known my entire life have been fighters. And I was raised to know that I was enough and I could be anything. Mm -hmm. Because all the people around me who were people in society all looked like me. Right. Right. And so I come here (laughs) and suddenly I'm not enough. Mm. Right. Suddenly I have I. I have to fight to prove myself every single day. But you're a fighter. I am a fighter, yes. <laughs> that's, that's part of what keeps me up at night sometimes is I just, I, I'm just constantly battling it. So um, what, what, what other programs are you doing? I know you're busy, but so, it's um, the STEM so, masters. So it's, uh, oh, the, the team steps. So yeah. that's uh, helping, um, helping build teams and um building improving communications and collaboration healthcare is very it's a very interesting industry so because you have the, the different um classes of folks right so you, you have the the doctors and then you have the surgeons who are above the doctors who and then you have the nurses and the nurses don't want to be here they also want to be up so i mean it's it's very stratified and mm-hmm. so a lot of the improvements that i drive or i i, I lead and manage at stanford is i have multidisciplinary teams. So I have folks from all different walks of life in the organization and I need them to be able to function as a team. Right. And so in that space, they are all equal, Good right? Concept. So yeah. 
using team steps has been great in in giving me the tools that i need to help folks um, function in those teams in that in those environments and be able to um, empower folks who feel who are not well a little bit lower in the stratosphere of healthcare be able to you know be on the same level as a surgeon be and have a voice and be able to communicate because right. when you're driving an improvement in an organization it has to start from both ends it has to start from the top from the leadership, it has to start from the surgeon, but it also has to start from the front line, from the person who's cleaning the room. People have to buy into right. it. Right, everybody has to buy in, and everybody has to participate, and everybody has to see value in the change that you're trying to, to drive or the improvements that you're trying to implement. Because if you're trying to address, um, for example, reduction of infection rates, if you're talking with the surgeons and not to the cleaner, the person that's cleaning the room, how you you re, you might not see a change in your metrics, right? right? So you have to have a, a multidisciplinary team, which includes everybody in the continuum of care. This so, is strong as your weakest link. There you go. Amen. <laughs> That's exactly it. Yeah. So yeah. it's not all medicine for you. No, it's not. What's, what is this here? <laughs> no, it's not. So, um, so again, so I, if you understand, my background is in data and analytics, yes. and and identifying gaps in in processes and systems that I need to improve. That's actually how I fell into winemaking. There are so many ways to get involved with Black Female Project, but one of the ways that we find most impactful is becoming a sponsor. For more information go to blackfemaleproject.org. Tell me about it. So I love wine. I loved wines from a consumer perspective. It's a 62, it's $62 billion industry, believe it or not. It's so much, it's, it's ridiculous. So I've been consuming wines for a really long time. And I went to um, Napa, um, met with families uh, that have been in the winemaking industry for generations, got to go behind the scenes with some of them and, and observe their processes, did my own sort of background research into you know, winemaking. And I was really deeply interested in the science of it and how the different grapes from different wine regions and depending on where your vineyard is in, in relation to the mountain, to the, to the north or to the south of it, the how soil. the sun hits the grapes, it impacts the, the notes in the grapes, oh, yeah. how deep the roots are in the soil, the location of the vineyard, like all those little aspects of the sort of the science of, of it is what really excited me about the winemaking. Mm -hmm. Then I traveled to Kenya on holiday with my girlfriends. Do they have a winemaking region in Kenya? So they don't have necessarily a winemaking region. They do have, I, I believe we have three different families that are now into winemaking that are still starting. In and Mombasa? In, no, in, in central Kenya, actually, yeah, in central Kenya. So we traveled to Nairobi and we on holiday and I wanted to have some California wine and they did not have any. What kind did they have? French. They had a lot of wines from around the world. So a lot of the multitude of them South were from Africa. South Africa. Yeah. Yes, they are. And South Africa has great pinotages. So they had a right. lot of South African wines, some really good, some not so good. But then they had a lot of wines from Chile. They had Argentinian Malbecs. They mm. had a lot of varietals from around the world, but nothing from California. So, so I, you saw a gap. So I saw a gap. Look at you. 
and I'd already loved the, the science of it, right? So I've already seen the science of it, the behind the scenes work, and I was like, oh, this is fascinating. I could do this. So I came back, and my partner, my husband, right now, had been in distribution of, of beer, wines, and liquor well, right, for, long, for over 10 years. So I came back, and I was like, you know what, babe? I think there's an opportunity here. Is, is your husband from Kenya? No, well? he's from South Carolina. He calls it another country. He's from South Carolina. <laughs> Yeah, he's from South Carolina. He's one of the the, the, most, the humblest, most gentle men I've ever met. Oh, that's he's, lovely. He's, he's really amazing. So, yeah. So, we I came back, talked to him about it, and we, we know we said, let's do it. Yeah. And he's, he's one of those guys who's like, I, I come up to him with an idea, and he's like, you know what? If you really feel strongly about it, I'll support you. Wow. Let's do it. That's, that's uh, gold yeah. right there. Yeah. That kind of support. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been incredible. It's an amazing journey. The the wines, the Wachira, the that's the family name. It's my dad's name. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of a tribute to him. I, I lost him when I was about four. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So it's um, it's sort of my attempt at creating a legacy for this man, who I thought was so just nice. great and the love of my mother's life. And it's also a name that's been passed down for generations. You know, it's been these African names have passed down for years and years. So. For me to be able to put that name on a product, it had to be um, like a really cool quality product. Special. It's very, it's very, very special. special. So yeah. now, what is your, I, I just want to get an idea, like, mm-hmm. since you're so busy, what is your get up at 6 a.m. and then what happens? <laughs> <laughs> I've had most folks ask me that. So the way I look at it is this. A day has 24 hours. Yes, ma'am. If you divide them into fours, you have six hours to do everything. Yes. Yes. So I have six hours to work <laughs> my day job. I have six hours to do winemaking. I have six hours to dedicate to my nonprofit for Ice Africa. And um, I can sleep for about four to six hours. <laughs> Maybe catch up a little bit on the weekend. Dang, yeah. We'll see. We'll Weekends see. are usually when I do a lot of the wine-oriented um, events and stuff. Right? So the oh, tastings yeah. and all that good stuff. So After listening to and watching Dr. Wachira, I noticed she alluded to something really poignant about being raised to never question who she was. This foundation that was laid for her in her home country of Kenya propelled her here in the U.S. to obtain a doctorate in nursing, where she's leading teams in transforming systems and also founded a nonprofit to vastly improve health systems in Kenya. And then she did something that I would never have connected. She took her love of the sciences and manifested it into a winemaking company. A winemaking company that's creating a long-lasting legacy for generations to come. She's truly, really living the I can be anything motto. Do you have a website where we can... Absolutely. WachiraWines.com. And we have a calendar that's fully updated. If you click on it, you'll be able to tell where we are, what we're doing. Okay. Where you can taste the wine. This isn't a threat, but we're coming down. That one? No. <laughs> Come on over. We'll take you on a wine safari. That's what makes our wine so unique. A wine safari. Wine safari. So what we have on our wines, each of the, each of the wines has an animal to it. I saw that. It's a big five. Big five. Yep. Elephant. It's a big fat. So yeah, so we're missing the buffalo. Kitty cat. We- <laughs> that's a leopard. That's a kitty cat. That's a leopard. That's a kitty cat. And that's a rhino. Oh. And that's the king of the jungle. That's a lion. That's all sparkling. So you come on over, we get you uh, tasting all five varietals, and then you get to get a glass, a full glass of whatever animal you like. I love that's that. The, the wine yes, safari. That's a wine safari. <laughs> 
I like that. That's how we do it. So let me ask you one last question. Mm -hmm. Um, I ask everybody, you know Mount Rushmore, Mm -hmm. where they have the four presidents. Mm -hmm. Who would you put on your black female Mount Rushmore? Michelle Obama. Okay, you got three other people. (laughs) Okay, so I'll put Michelle Obama. I would put Maya Angelou. I would put, um, I put Oprah maybe, possibly. Somebody in Kenya? Wangari Matai, I was coming to that. Okay. Yeah, if I, if I could bring somebody from Kenya, it would be Wangari Matai. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And who is that? She's since passed, but she is uh, an environmentalist. I believe that's the name. She does the term. Okay. She actually won a Nobel Peace Prize for is that. It, that name yeah. is familiar. Yes. She, yeah. But she she's an environmentalist by practice. I believe that was her platform. But she ended up being, I would call her a freedom fighter because that's what she did. Yeah. She did a lot of advocacy for the rights of women, the rights of the people as a whole. And she also fought quite a bit for the environment and just planting trees to make sure there's actually a tomorrow. Mm, right. Yeah. yeah. We do have a planet for our kids. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Definitely. Yeah. And our animals. Yeah. And our animals. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Tell everybody where they can get a hold of you. Um, so where can you get a hold of me? So, um, whatcherowines.com okay yeah and I, if you want to shoot me an email customer service at whatcherowines.com all right thank you yeah. so much and uh look it's, forward for you it's been it's such a pleasure it. thank you so much for having me thank you and um let's let's have some wine let's taste some wine all right everybody. we'll talk <laughs> to you next time thank you black female project We invite you to learn more about the women in this episode, Black Female Project, and ways to support the project by going to www.blackfemaleproject.org.